This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We're talking to estheticians, skin specialists, and business owners to uncover best skin practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. Welcome back to Fearless Beauties. For our third episode, I wanted to address one of the main reasons we're here, social injustice in the beauty industry. To dive deeper into this topic, I'm bringing back Taylor Phillip, my social media coordinator at Fearless Beauties and fellow producer of this show to co-host with me today. Thanks for having me again, Mary. I am so excited and so stoked for this episode. Social injustice is such an extremely important topic, and I'm excited to dive in and hear from some amazing women, including you, of course, in the beauty industry today. But first, I want to know, what are some examples of social injustice that you have seen in the beauty industry? Although I'm a white grandma, I can think of so many instances of social injustice in the beauty industry. First and foremost, the lack of education in standardized textbooks on how to take care of skin of color. There's a separate book called Treating Diverse Pigmentation by Alicia Pierce. It's almost 10 years old. First of all, why does this information even have to be in a separate book? When George Floyd was murdered and Black Lives Matter rallies started in Portland last spring, I sent out an email to the mailing list of estheticians across the Pacific Northwest about the need for more education and about some dialogue that would confront racism. And I honestly was surprised at the number of estheticians who sent me emails and asked to be removed from my mailing list because they didn't believe it was appropriate to have these kinds of discussions. They didn't think there was a problem. So Glymed is a perfect example. Glymed is a multi-million dollar skincare brand based in Utah. Its founder is a racist, and she's posted very interesting comments and photos on her personal social media. I think that they've been removed, but in the heat of the George Floyd protests, it got a lot of attention. So the company tried to come out with some statements saying that they as a whole didn't reflect the views of its owner, but I think that's significant. I think multi-million dollar companies, they need to be making a statement, but it's a problem when estheticians attend a national conference. There's no BIPOC speakers on the agenda. I see aesthetic journals have no representation for skin of color in any of their graphics supporting the articles. I've had students tell me personal stories about going places and being denied services for their hair or their skin, being told no one here knows how to take care of you. The lack of hair care beauty products available in retail stores. Another example, the fact that Walmart has two shelves They're three feet wide with a sign that says ethnic over it, and the products are in a locked cabinet. But there are six entire aisles of skincare, makeup, hair care products that are marketed to white consumers. I had an esthetician who is black apply for a job at a spa, and the owner told her our clientele wouldn't feel comfortable getting a facial from you. Wow. First and foremost, I want to address that I am a black woman, and that's for any listeners who are tuning in and this is your first episode. But when I hear these instances of social injustice, there's just a extreme dark cloud hovering over me. I am sad, I'm angry, I'm exhausted, I'm frustrated. 
and I want this world to be a better place. But to be transparent, I have never experienced any social or racial injustice, at least any I am aware of. So when I feel the need to express my concerns and my feelings, I feel as though I'm not qualified. It's almost like, how would you know how I feel if you've never been through it? But the truth of the matter is, I am Black in a world where social injustice is at the forefront of all our lives. And there are things I now look out for. And this honestly began once George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, amongst so many others, were killed. For instance, how I'm treated in public or when I'm driving a car and my daughter's in the car with me. I make sure I'm alert more than normal. Taylor, I can see why you're so passionate about today's topic. Yeah, I just think it's important to address social injustice because if it's not addressed, it will be ignored. And I admire how you, Mary, have seen this as a real issue and you're confronting it. When some, like you mentioned, with the number of estheticians asking to be taken off your mailing list, they can't confront racism. Some would say ignoring the issue or choosing to be neutral is equivalent to taking the side of the oppressor. So I'm passionate about today's episode because it is important for me to use my voice for change. No matter how big of an influence I am, it's a step in the right direction. It's a touchy subject, and I don't want people feeling like, well, we, you're not even letting us have our own voice because you're taking it from us. When I feel like my point is to be an ally and to use my, and to use my privilege because I, I get it that I have it. And so I want to use that to be elevating people of color. I want to use it to elevate these voices, you know, these people, these guests that are on our show that have powerful stories to tell or have great insights or inspiring stories of success or, you know, education that we can all benefit from. I want to have them to have a platform. And I feel like, and that's, I guess, the purpose of Fearless Beauties. But I want to be like the cheerleader person or the background person that says, look at Hey, people, wake up and look at this. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm not sure if this is a good example, but it reminds me of Chelsea Handler. She did a documentary on Netflix. And I forgot what it's called, but I think it I think the title says something about white privilege. And I remember I think I watched that like two times because she basically said yeah, I know nothing. I know that as a white person, you know, I I have a lot of basically advantages in the world, but I don't think it's fair. So she went around and talked to other black people and wanted to know, like, what do I need to do since I have such a huge platform to advocate for you all? And I love that. And I think some she showed some people in her documentary they were like what do you know like how dare you come on a show and actually document it and say yeah I know I have white privilege but I want to do what I need to do to spread justice and she got a lot of heat for that but I admired her because although she knew that she was going to get a lot of backlash she knew what was right and she did it anyway Yeah, I think just trying to level the playing field, you know, obviously the educational piece is big for me. And I think it doesn't matter whether I, 
when I'm talking about education and and the differences in skin of color or the unique characteristics of skin of color, just as an educator, I think I have that, but I don't have the experience of living in the skin of skin of color. I can see the way my children or grandchildren are treated sometimes. Um, and I, and that infuriates me that, oh, sorry, it just, I, my daughter-in-law, one time we were going into a, like a convenience store to buy something and the clerk in front, she paid first. The clerk was so rude to her, rude. And I knew it was because of her ethnicity. It was because of her skin that he was being that rude because then it was my turn and he was different. And I just was so angry. Mary, do you believe that the beauty industry is fully aware of the bias that is held towards skin of color or is it subconscious? I think it's subconscious. I think it's been this way for so long that people get complacent. Educators will tell students that, oh, treating skin of color is a specialty. After you're licensed, you're going to have to go get continuing education. Like, you know, it's in a separate book. Yeah, I also believe it is subconscious. But a part of me feels like there is some subtle awareness. I think it's difficult to not see that skin of color is ignored, at least now. For instance, with the estheticians who choose to ignore social injustice in the beauty industry, it shows that they are aware of it, but they make a conscious decision to not confront it. Well, Mary, let's hear what our experts have to say about this. Who was the first person you spoke to? Well, one of the most impactful stories I heard was from Crystal Martos, the owner of Sugar Mama here in Portland. I literally just had a client who wasn't even my client. She was my contractor's client. And my contractor made a comment about Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And this woman wrote her back. This woman was white. And she's like, are you kidding me? You're white. Insanity. She's like, black people are the only people that rape and steal and murder. And if black people didn't knew how to protest properly or peacefully, then we wouldn't be having these problems. But just went on this whole like misinformation, like I watch Fox News all day type of thing. And I was like, you know what, lady, you know, my contractor came to me in confidence and was like, you know, this woman just wrote me all this stuff and it's really intense and it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I said, look, you don't have to respond to her. You don't have to book her anymore. If you want, you can simply just say, hey, I don't think it's going to work out anymore between us. Like, I think for you and for me, it's just best if you go somewhere else. Like, I gave her all these options. I said, but you don't need to explain anything to her. You know, she is clearly feeling a certain way. And like I said, there are some people out there that they don't care how stupid they sound. They don't care if they don't have one fact to back anything up. They just want to spread hate. And it may not be about the color of my skin. It may not be about hating women. It may not be about... They just spread hate. It's energy. That's all we are, right? Mm -hmm. So they just have it. And whatever reason they're holding on to it, they're stoking it, whatever it is, that's their problem. That is not our problem. So I told my contractor, I said, I'm sure if you keep posting Black Lives Matter stuff, she'll probably just stop. <laughs> so she did. And a few weeks later, I, you know, we opened up a week ago and I said, sent out an email to our list and was like, hey, everybody, we can't wait to take you. Here's, you know, what we're doing to ensure the safety and 
whatnot. And this woman wrote back and was like, please take me off your email list. I don't want to be involved with anything, any businesses that are political. And in my mind, I'm like, these are human rights and they're not even equal. Has there ever been one law passed since the sixties about equal rights or equal pay for anyone? So I just said, you know, Karen, the unsubscribe button is at the bottom of, of the page. Feel free to click that. You are welcome in our studios and Black Lives Matter. And I corrected her spelling and she lost it. And she wrote probably two pages worth of stuff. Well, that's why you work in the ghetto. And that's why you work in a shithole and your place smells like garbage. And just like all this stuff, which I'm like, you have been a loyal client for the last two years. Like <laughs> I do not accept what you're trying to throw at me. However, I was just like, smile, say hello to the world because we're watching. And I just blasted her on all of our social networks. And it wasn't so much to get attention. It wasn't so much because I wanted people to feel bad for me. And I think that that was a little misread and misinterpreted where a lot of people reached out and were like, I am so sorry that that happened to you. And gosh, I appreciate all the people that said that. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm doing this because I could take a lick. Like this woman told me at one point, she said, I'm a follower, which made me feel like she must not see me for who I am, which is a black person. But she's like, what do you know about Black Lives Matter? You're just a sheep. You're just following it because it's cool right now. If there wasn't a convicted, a career criminal that was murdered by one crooked cop, then you'd still be working out of your your shithole or whatever. And I was just like, lady, like you are the epitome of white privilege. You're the epitome of entitlement the epitome of hate, bigotry, like people just need to know that there are people out there like that because they don't believe it. They don't believe it and they're stuck getting misinformed. And even this woman, I just said, you know, she's like, what have you done for Black Lives Matter? And I'm like, well, I've lived 36 years of my life as a black person. So I think that I know (laughs) maybe a little more than you. She said, well, I worked for the NFL for 12 years. And I was like, oh my God. Cat digging. <laughs> I was just like, lady, you are going to dig so deep. There will be no way of coming out of that. But, you know, I had a, and then she said she was in the beauty industry and that I will never be able to enjoy like the privileges that she has. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I actually just need to share this because it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, you know, people need to know that they're out there. And for people that want a safe place that doesn't have those types, they could come to me. (laughs) And for people that want to unfollow because I'm sharing this and speaking my mind about Black Lives Matter, that's just the trash taking itself out. Wow, that was intense. And I am so happy she shared that experience. I love that she shared that story with you, Mary, because honestly, if people do not see it, they probably would never believe it. Well, I think it just reinforces that there are Karens everywhere. When Crystal reacted, she clearly wasn't afraid to speak out. And she also, she is a strong woman who knows her self-worth. So I think it's really important to stand your ground in matters like this, especially if you're dealing with clients, because you you want to develop a clientele that's going to share your same values. And the amount of energy that goes into dealing with a negative client just isn't worth it. Oh, I I totally agree. Your spa is your safe place, just like your home is your safe space, and you dictate the positive energy, and no one should ever have to compromise that. She mentioned using social media to create awareness that these types of people exist. So what are your thoughts on that? 
Oh, I think social media can be your friend and your enemy. Social media shaming is really common. And I'm honestly, I just don't know the implications about whether it would be beneficial or a pitfall. For me, although I understand the benefits of posting and advertising on social media on a personal level, I'm not sure if I would have used Instagram, Facebook or Twitter to showcase racial injustice simply because I'm a private person. But what Crystal did was admirable and it was brave. And it honestly takes that bravery to use social media to inform others about what's really going on in the world. Did Crystal mention anything about her personal experience on social media during these times? Yeah, she's really had a lot to deal with. I mean, it has just been overwhelming. Um, I feel like as a Black woman in the beauty industry, I have, in the last few weeks, been kind of harassed with comments online where, you know, yes, my mother's Pacific Islander, my father is African American. I don't know what people see when they see me, but I am a person of color for sure. And a friend of mine made a list of black owned beauty businesses to share. And then somebody like called me out because of my skin color. And they were like, well, she's not black. She's just a person of color. Why? Like, I don't know. You really have to pause before you say something. And I think that right now in this call out culture, it's really hard to take back what you say when you don't do your homework. And some people don't care about doing the homework and are just out there trolling and want to get rise or they're just being ignorant and full of hate and they want to spread that, you know, and it was a person of color that said it. So then it made me feel like it kept me on an even deeper level where I'm like, even as a person of color, to another person of color, am I not black enough to you? You know, like, so it's not just something that I'm experiencing from people that are not of color. It's something that I experience with people that are of color. Even from, from that, there's systematic oppression towards whiteness in general. The lighter my skin is, because I'm not darker complected, I don't have it as hard as someone who's darker than me. So, it has just been a very overwhelming time. Crystal mentioned that there's a bias that she faces from other people of color. Why do you think this happens? Is, do you think that's a common thread for other people of color? Absolutely. I've had discussions with both my grandma and my mom who have been called white girl from black people because of their level of intelligence or the way that they talk. And I was so angry, like letting them know, like, oh, I would have said this, 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 this and that. But lo and behold, once I experienced it myself, I was so hush. It was actually crazy. I was picked at because of my grades. I was called a nerd and I was told that I talked like a white girl. And this was all throughout middle and high school. When I heard the stories from my mom and grandma, I understood why they acted in silence in the beginning, because honestly, there is no mature way to respond to that level of ignorance. How does being intelligent and speaking properly make you white? It's sad. But I believe that I've gotten the most hate from people of color. But we get enough hate, which has definitely been publicized many times throughout the year. Why do we have to hate on one another? Well, I think you do an awesome job as our social media coordinator. I think you really have done a great job with pausing and considering how our posts are going to be interpreted. 
you know, any kind of post can have a negative uh, effect or it can have a positive role in creating social change. So what kind of tips do you use when you're trying to make a positive impact? Well, first I say I rely on our mission to speak for itself, treating skin of color with confidence. And I think about how symbolic that is to outside of the beauty industry, which is why not all posts are beauty related, but I maintain a, a positive impact by showing everyone that not only their skin, but they as a person matter. With the Black Lives Matter content, I was nervous to post hashtags like the Black Lives Matter hashtags or discuss racial injustice regarding George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others, because I did not want it to seem like when we say treating skin of color, that we meant treating black skin only. And I honestly think a lot of people think that, but I did not want to hold back from posting what I know means a lot to both you and I and the world because of how others would perceive it. So I posted some info from chapters of Black Skin of African Descent, such as consultation tips, diseases and disorders, recommended facial treatments. And that is honestly when we blew up. We started gaining so many supporters who were sending messages about our mission and what great work we're doing. So I honestly just align beauty with social change. And I kind of just try to stay in a lane of inclusivity and make sure our mission and not my personal beliefs reaches people. And it just shows the relationship between social justice and beauty. But after listening to Crystal's story, I remembered that Sonia Dumas, owner of Touch of Youth, said something very similar to what Crystal had to say. Oh, oh gosh. So I have a friend that I'm really, really close to. And she was like policing me because she felt like I wasn't doing enough as far as Black Lives Matter and you didn't post. And I'm like, you're posting angry. You're saying terrible stuff. I mean, people are not going to hear you. Like, I'm never going to be disrespectful. I absolutely have my own views. My personal, my business social media is totally different. So I was trying to explain to her, like, you know, this might be new to you. <laughs> but I've been black really a long time. Like, I remember there was a situation. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to try not to boohoo cry. Okay, okay, okay. So I think I was about six. Okay, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell the story. Okay, okay. And my dad was pulled over. And um, there was a cop that made him get out of the car. Put a gun to his head and said, I'm going to kill me at N-word today. That's what he said. And there was like big crowd of people. And that's probably why he didn't. But it wasn't because anybody stood up and was like, oh, that's not fair. That's not right. It's like people who sat around to watch, you know. Of course, I was six years old. I was Massachusetts, you know, and my dad's always kept us in neighborhoods where there's really good schools, which means white neighborhoods. And um, I just, you know, that's that's kind of stuff is unfortunately the norm. Like I worry about my son. Like I tell my son, like you get pulled over, you're a basketball player, you're educated, you're in school. We, you know, my mom is a nurse practitioner. Like I. I have to like literally drill this stuff into him. Don't be combative. Don't be disrespectful. Don't talk loud. Be like, I'm, I'm just an, I'm an athlete. I go to school. I get good grades. You know, it's like the conversation that you have to have. There's a lot of things that are going on that are, you know, changes. There's great changes being made, but 
I just really hope that we're consistent and we stay on top of it. Sonia's story was so heavy. It, it really hit me hard that our culture has instilled feelings in these women of color to make them feel like it's not enough. Crystal's getting pressured that she's not black enough. Sonia's getting pressured that she's not doing enough as a black woman. And this is so intense and it honestly makes my heart and my head hurt when I hear stories like this. Honestly, all I could do is shake my head because it just seems like with all the protests, with all the riots and with all the killings, when is it going to penetrate into the minds of others that this isn't right? What needs to be done to help black men and women? Are we ever going to feel safe? How can we continue to fight for change? Well, I agree. I think that we can't really move forward towards skincare education without having social justice. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is really true. We have to have safe communities. We have to have equality in housing, in business, financial institutions, and we need equality in skincare education, and we need inclusive marketing. We need recognition for successful skincare professionals of color. But it's so much more than that. If anything, I think that furthering education in the beauty industry to include treating black skin, Asian skin, transgender skin, etc., it symbolizes the eagerness to combat social injustice. We are looking to include skin of color in basic education, not advanced education. Estheticians should not have to pay more to learn about treating skin of color. Sonia mentioned how when raising her son, she teaches him to act a certain way in case he's ever pulled over by the police. For some entrepreneurs of color, do you think that this way of thinking influences how they conduct customer service? Mm, I think that's a great question. I think it depends on their relationship with their client, because when we're in our treatment, we're performing these very intimate services, and we're going to get a vibe from our client, you know, nonverbal cues. And when we sense that mistrust, we're going to become very intentional in our communication so that we can work to build uh, more trust so that we've got clients who we can be on the same page with. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I do not think that a black woman's thoughts towards racial injustice or social injustice directly dictates how they treat their clients, but I think it would make a difference if their clients felt a certain way, such as a white woman being hesitant for a black woman to treat her skin. I think an entrepreneur of color would pick on that. I think an entrepreneur of color would pick up on that real quick, simply because we grew up understanding that the color of our skin isn't just the color of our skin too some people. Even for entrepreneurs of color who may not have experienced social injustice, they know the plight women and men of color face when it comes to injustice. So that is probably always in the back of their heads. I know for certain that it would be in mine. So Taylor, after hearing from Crystal and Sonia, what's next? How do we make a positive impact in our industry? Well, like you said, Mary, equality in skincare education is a start. In the world of social media, I think it would be beneficial to highlight entrepreneurs of color as well. And this is actually one of Fearless Beauty's missions. It's to increase the visibility of men and women of color and share their insights into success in the aesthetic industry. I think it's important to give these entrepreneurs a platform and to showcase their talents. This could definitely help Estes in training who may be hesitant in an industry where they are the minority. I know Nichelle Mosley, the owner of Queen City Beauty, she has some really interesting insights about how we can better the beauty industry. 
Well, let's hear what she had to say. You know, is just to make sure that you aren't off course as a person who is an ally. You know, make sure that you are also taking care of yourself. I mentioned all the ways that I am this servant-hearted person, you know, this caretaker, but you also have to be sure that you're thinking about your own self, you know, and, and pouring back into your own cup so that you have the ability to make sure that you are staying the course and you are that light for your community. That's how you can be, you know, better serving is making sure that you are your best and that you have the ability to, you know, make sure that when people show up and they are of a different ethnicity and, you know, they don't have, I guess, necessarily the same experience with other people and and how they've been, you know, treated when they've wanted to get care for their skin. Make sure that you're that light for them. You know, make sure that you're someone who has gone through the process of educating yourself, knowing about what it means to care for African-American skin, people of color, you know, multicultural skin, and just all of the methodologies that go into, you know, being able to help them. And, you know, just really take it on as something that you would do because it's, it's, it's a part of something that, that everyone should do. <laughs> Nichelle's answers to better the beauty industry for people of color really centers on the idea of self-care. How important is it to take care of ourselves, especially in times of injustice? I really think this is a topic that isn't talked about enough. As practitioners who are caring for people, we put so much energy into what we do that we can get burned out. So self-care, protecting our bodies, managing body mechanics, as well as making sure that we're staying mentally, emotionally fulfilled, Balancing those roles in our life as practitioner, wife, mother, friend, sister, aunt, grandma, and more. So I think women of color have additional burdens that our culture puts on them, those feelings of inadequacy. And when Nichelle spoke about self-care, I thought to myself, like, oh, snap, I totally forgot about self-care. Like, I forgot about myself for a second. And like you said, after spending hours caring for others, it's okay to pour some of that love and tenderness into yourself. For me as a black woman whose heart is constantly hurting for other black men and women whose lives are being taken, I honestly limit what I feed my mind. I don't watch the news as much. I stay off social media when I need to. And I just focus on how my small voice can help make a difference. But speaking of making a difference, Michelle mentioned being the light for your community. What are some ways that listeners can do that to help combat social injustice? Well, I know for me as a white woman, a white grandma, I've made a personal commitment to do the work to become more aware of my own biases. In fact, I recently engaged with an ally coach just to help me navigate and help me increase my own perspective and my own understanding. We decided to have our second edition of the Fearless Beauties book edited by an inclusion and bias editor so that we could bring a stronger education that isn't going to add to any kind of negative stereotypes. And I think white listeners, they can continue to do the work. They need to motivate themselves to do the work, to become educated. And I think that we need to have 
a real sense of gratitude and appreciation to our colleagues who are practitioners of color because they don't have an obligation to educate us. They don't have an obligation to elevate the industry, but they're doing it. Um, and I think that they're really brave. I think you, Taylor, telling your own stories, these women that we've listened to, they have been really brave. They have been vulnerable. They've put themselves out there really to create more inclusivity. We can all fight social injustice by supporting both ourselves and our communities. But on a more granular level in the beauty industry, what can we do here? I think we can do more to support fellow estheticians of color. I think we should check in with them when hard-hitting events happen, like that latest news on Breonna Taylor, and then reach out to corporate aesthetic education and demand better education. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just show sympathy and try your best to encourage equality. Yeah, Taya Campbell actually had some really interesting thoughts about this from an education level. She's the previous assistant director at Premier Aesthetics in Bend, and she's currently an esthetician in Jacksonville at an Aveda Concept Salon. I feel like when I had my teaching career, And when I was being an educator, unfortunately, the places that I did that were predominantly white. It's unfortunate for a lot of the students because they don't get the experience that they need if they ever are to go someplace else. I feel like as I was able to, just as faculty members, it's very important to protect vulnerable members and groups. And I feel like we did that. I know for myself, which I consider myself, you know, fairly progressive, that I was able to at least sync them up with people who would know more about um, darker pigmented skin, whether it be dermatologists or something like that, that could answer more questions than I had maybe readily available out of some textbook. Education is one way to make a change. The change you have made with the Fearless Beauties text, Mary, it has been monumental in the beauty industry to say the least. You did the heavy research to include Asian skin, Nordic skin, Latinx skin, black skin, and even transgender skin. What can educators be doing to promote social justice in their classrooms? Mary, can you give some examples of what you have been doing at your school? Well, of course, we utilize the Fearless Beauties book. We've revised our education to include information on skin of color. I also have speakers come to the school on a pretty regular basis. When protests and rallies broke out in Portland for Black Lives Matter, I had a Black esthetician come and speak to a school assembly so students could just get a better perspective and an understanding of some of the issues that she has to deal with. We also have SheBop, and that's a Portland business that does diversity training. A speaker comes in on a regular basis just to give students a better perspective and an understanding about our transgender clients. They come in and they really do great work. We've heard four incredible voices today to discuss social injustice, not only in the beauty industry, but within our society. If one thing is clear from this episode is that we have so much work to do. 
My takeaways from these interviews are that I have a long way to go and our industry has a long way to go. A lot of skincare professionals of color are carrying wounds of being discriminated against both personally and professionally, and these wounds aren't completely healed. I think we need to focus on being aware of bias and not being afraid to address it. So Taylor, what stood out for you? I think it was what Nichelle said about self-care. Honestly, in order for us to combat social injustice and do our part, we have to be well within ourselves. We have to be comfortable acknowledging the stigmatization and use our voices to speak and make a change. I do not think we are close to social equality at all. And like you said, Mary, we have a long way to go. I think I can do better with using my voice, especially on my social platforms. I think I often stay hush because I do not want to say anything wrong, but I think it's just all about acknowledgement and doing whatever I can to help, whether it's having those uncomfortable conversations or posting about certain events on my IG stories. What lessons can our listeners take away from Crystal, Sonia, Nichelle, and Taya? I think these four women have really powerful stories and listeners can make a personal decision in their personal values and how they're going to take those values into their professional lives. I think they can make sure that they post those values on their website and on their social media platforms. And then I, I think they need to check themselves often. These women have definitely used their platforms for good and they have dealt with some injustices. And instead of using those experiences as an excuse to act out negatively, they used it to impact other future and current entrepreneurs of color. And that is one way to elevate our industry. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. Until next time, keep educating yourself, remember to stay open, and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host for today, Taylor Phillip and our producers at Quill, Inc.